0: So, how do you handle being misunderstood? I think uh, being misunderstood can be a pretty frustrating situation. It causes all kinds of problems. Certainly, can cause problems uh, in relationships. And I think one of the things that is uh, can be particularly frustrating and hard about misunderstandings is that uh, people believe. You believe something that you don't believe (laughs) and and trying to overcome that can be really challenging Um, there was a a long period of time that I am grateful for that has uh, seen its day and has now been eclipsed and gone uh, when you had among our brethren for a few decades the Desire to write about what other people believe and then tear them to shreds about all the stuff that they believe. And then they try to come out and say, well, I don't really believe that. No, no, that's, we're not going to listen to you. That's what you believe. And so that's the, that's the problem. Uh, you, you've probably experienced that to some kind. I remember experiencing that uh, a long time ago back in uh, Arkansas in the training program. Uh, as we were trying to reach the lost, and we were doing various Bible studies in the neighborhood, the, had some surrounding preachers come to us and say, you know, basically that we had ulterior motives, and uh, you know, what, what's next? Are you going to be taping five dollar bills under the seats? And of course, and of course, we said, sure, that's exactly what we're going to do. Obviously, you know, you know us so well. Uh, of course not. And the thing that was tough was it didn't matter what you said. It didn't matter. They weren't going to listen to you. The reason I illustrate that is in, in Acts 21 and 22, Paul finds himself in that circumstance. And the way that Paul goes about handling how he's going to reach others, deal with misunderstandings, and try to show the truth of the gospel, uh, I believe is highly instructive in helping us As we try to do our part in reaching the loss and understanding that there will be times of misunderstanding and seeing how the Apostle Paul handled uh, such a thing. Now you might remember where we are in the the book of Acts is that uh, Paul is on his way to Jerusalem. Everybody's been telling him, don't go to Jerusalem. It's not going to go well for you when you go to Jerusalem. You're going to be arrested. You're going to be bound. It's going to be difficult. You don't want to go to Jerusalem, but the Spirit has compelled him to go to Jerusalem, and that's why... He is on his way there. And when you come to the middle of Acts 21, uh, we see him finally arriving in Jerusalem in verse 17 uh, of Acts 21. And he gets to Jerusalem. He's greeted by the brethren there. And Paul explains all the mighty works of God that have been accomplished among the Gentiles as the work that he's been doing. And so as he explains that, it says in verse 20, when they heard it, they glorified God and they said... You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed and they are all zealous for the law, but they have been informed about you and that you are teaching all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. So what is to be done? they will certainly hear that you've come. So it's interesting of the Christians in Jerusalem. We're so excited that you're here. We're so grateful to God about the work that God is accomplishing through you as you've been preaching. But I want you to know something important. Here you are in Jerusalem, and there are many Jews, and you'll notice it says there in verse 20, who believed. These are Jewish Christians. But they have heard some things about you. And what they have heard is that you are going all over the Roman Empire and you are telling all these Jews that they are not to keep the law of Moses, but to forsake it, to not circumcise anymore. And essentially, you just need to completely disregard anything Moses has to say. And so you'll notice what they say says there in verse 23, Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take these men, purify yourself along with them, and pay for them to get their head shaved. Then everyone will know that what they were told about you amounts to nothing, but that you yourself are also careful to be observing the law. So interesting scene is that, so the Christians there say, here's what you ought to do. You need to try to clear up the misunderstanding. And I think it is interesting to see that Paul wants to do that. He is going to do exactly what they suggest. He is going to go to the temple, purify himself, pay the money to have these other four men purified as well. To try to use that as an example to say, I know you've heard certain things about me. But I want you to see, but that's not true. And I find it interesting that Paul does that because he could have been honoring and just said, well, you know what, I'm misunderstood and that's their problem. You know we, we sometimes have a mentality like that. I don't care what people think, you know, and I, you know, if, if they have that misunderstanding, so be it. I want you to notice that Paul is concerned that they do have the wrong idea about him. And he's going to do what he can to clear it up and he's going to try to clear it up even out of his own pocket even to his own cost to try to make it clear that that's not the case at all about what has been heard about him. And of course we've read through the book of Acts and we know what they've said about Paul is false by no means is he going around telling people you know, the law of Moses is worthless and nobody should follow it. That's clearly not what he's teaching. and Nor has he been teaching anyone who is Jewish, don't circumcise. He has not said that either. Only thing he has done is said the Jew, Gentiles do not, but he has never told any of the Jewish people they are to cast off Moses and never keep any of the customs or do any of those things. And so he's trying to clear up that misunderstanding. Now, the reason why I think this is important to observe in the life of Paul is you see him practicing what Jesus taught as well as what he would t- teach To the Christians in Rome. For example remember that Jesus says. Blessed are the peacemakers. There is a responsibility on our part. To try to make peace with people. To try to build those bridges. To clear up misunderstandings. Remember what the apostle Paul would say. So far as it depends on you. Live peaceably with all. And I think it is interesting to see that that is exactly what the Apostle Paul is doing here is saying, well, I don't want to leave it like that where all of these people in Jerusalem believe something that is not true, that I don't believe. So let me do what I can to try to reverse that so that they will understand that that's not the way I think or that's not the way I believe. And so here at the, in the middle of chapter 21, that's exactly what he, he goes about doing. Now, here's one of the things that I think can be hard about this is clearing up misunderstanding means there has to be a humility on our part to accept the possibility that we might be the reason for the misunderstanding. (laughs) Maybe we said something that was misunderstood or unclear. Maybe we did something that was misunderstood or was unclear And we would have the humility and the desire to say, well, let me try to rectify that. Let me try to fix that. Let me try to set the record straight. I am always appreciative when you come to me and say, I did not understand what you said about that. Is this really what you meant? And I can say, no, clearly I was unclear about such a thing like that. I even had that just a couple Sundays ago. Somebody said, I, did, did you mean this? And I said, of course I didn't mean that. And they said, I didn't think so, but I wanted to make sure that that's not what you meant by that. And, and we should want that ability to make for peace and to clear things up and, and express ourselves in such a way. And I am fascinated that the Apostle Paul is not like, well, I'm the Apostle Paul and I don't care what anybody thinks. I can do what I want to do. But he goes, I, I don't want that to be the case. I'm going to try to clear it up. Now, what's fascinating about what the scriptures reveal to us is, is there's nothing said here about how that solved or didn't solve the problem. You'll notice in verse 26, it says, The next day Paul took the men, having purified himself along with them, And entered the temple and announcing the completion of the purification days when the offering would be made for each of them. And when the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd and seized him. Stop there for a moment. Notice we have a different problem. So what he hears is that the Jewish Christians of Jerusalem have heard stories about Paul That are untrue. And so what I want you to do, Paul, is to try to fix that. Make it clear that what what they are saying about you is not clear. So in the process of doing that, when you read verse 27, it says some Jews from Asia. Now, I hope that kind of gives you the sinister uh uh-oh. Because remember... When Paul was going through the various cities, who's chasing him in every town, trying to stir up the crowd, stir up riots in one city, even stoning him and dragging him out of the city, leaving him for dead? It's the Jews of Asia. They're the ones who have been causing so much trouble for Paul everywhere he goes. So we aren't told if the Jewish Christians in Jerusalem are like, okay, we, don't, we now know it's all okay. Instead, now we have another problem where now Jews from the province of Asia come. Notice verse 27, stirring up the whole crowd. They seize him shouting, fellow Israelites help. This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our law and this place. What's more, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen Trophimus the Ephesian in the city with him, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. The whole city was stirred up, and the people rushed together. They seized Paul dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. Please listen to verse 31. And as they were trying to kill him, word went up to the commander of the regiment that all Jerusalem was in chaos. Taking along soldiers and centurions, he immediately ran down to them. Seeing the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating So this is not just a mild, you know, let's talk this out. He gets there and they seize him, drag him out of the temple gates. Are beating him to the point of trying to kill him. And the only reason this stops is because the Roman commanders, I meant to put a picture of this on the screen and I totally forgot the Roman commander and soldiers come rushing into the temple area and, and try to determine what's going on. In the ancient city of Jerusalem, you had the Fortress of Antonia, which was attached right next to it. And it was nice and high so that the Romans could look down upon the temple courts to be able to see any kind of chaos, any kind of riot, any kind of problem Quick access, down the stairs, boom, right there. They're going to put a quick end to it. Well, that's what's happening right here. It is an outright riot going on. They're trying to kill Paul. The beating is taking place. They immediately run down to try to see what's going on. Verse 33, the commander approached, took him into custody. Ordered him to be bound in two two chains. And he asked who he was and what he had done. <laughs> Clearly you must have done something wrong. Because the whole city wants to kill you. Is is the question that's being posed to them. Verse 34. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. And since he was not able to get reliable information. Because of the uproar. He ordered him to be taken into the barracks. But when Paul got to the steps. He had to be carried By the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd for the mass of people followed yelling away with him. Unbelievable scene that is happening. right. Can you imagine the crowd is so violent that the Roman soldiers now pick up Paul and have to carry him through the mob to get him into the fortress of Antonia so that he's safe because they're about to kill him. That's the scene that has just unfolded in all of this. Now, here to me is what is absolutely shocking. After a little bit of discussion, as the commander is speaking to Paul and wants to know, ultimately, who are you? That's what verses 37 and 38. And Paul explains in verse 39, I'm just a Jewish man from Tarsus. But notice what he says in verse 39. Now, I ask you, let me speak to the people. Would you think that's a good idea? Would my first thought be, you know, let me go talk to them. They were just beating you to death. You just got rescued by the Romans. And now you tell the Roman commander, I'd like to talk to those people. Just give me another opportunity to talk to them. No, thank you. I would say, just go ahead and leave me here in the prison where it's safe. I'm going to be just fine right here. But He says, no, here's what I want to do. I want to talk to them. And the rest of chapter 22 is Paul's now discussion, his speech that he now gives to this riotous mob of people who want him killed. And how he goes about talking to these people, again, I think is very instructive. Still trying to clear up the misunderstanding that they have about him. Chapter 22 in verse 1. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense before you. And when they heard him, he was addressing them in Aramaic, they became even quieter. And he continued I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. Educated at the feet of Gamaliel according to the strictness of our ancestral law, I was zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I persecuted this way to the death. Arresting and putting both men and women in jail as both the high priest and the whole council of elders can testify about me. After I received letters from them to the brothers, I traveled to Damascus to arrest those who were there and to bring them to Jerusalem to be punished. I want you to see what Paul is doing here. If you've grown up in the pews, it's easy to come to Acts 22 and go, okay, well, here's Paul's defense. And I already read his whole story back in Acts 9. And it's kind of easy to roll on since three times in the book of Acts, we get his whole conversion story. But an important question to ask is, why does he start here talking about who he is? Why is he going through the, listen, I'm a Jew, I'm from Tarsus, but I grew up in the city, feet of Gamaliel, I want you to notice the thing that he's doing is trying to essentially say, I'm with you. I'm one of you. I understand what you're feeling. I understand what you're thinking. You'll notice that he even says there at the end of verse three, I am zealous for God, just as all of you are today. I, I understand your outrage. I understand what you're upset about. I'm with you. I would be the same way. In fact, not only does he say, I would be the same way. You notice he says, I was doing the same thing. I was doing the same thing. Yeah, The, the high priests and the chief elders can testify. I was getting the papers and I was going to Damascus and I was arresting people and bringing them back to Jerusalem and putting them on trial so that they'd be punished and persecuted. He says, I, I was doing the same thing as you'd be doing right now. I'm with you on that. I want you to see something important is that what you see Paul immediately trying to do in this discussion is try to find some common ground. He's working to try to find some common ground with these people. I have the same concerns. I see you're zealous for God. I'm zealous for God. We're in the same boat. You're from Jerusalem. I'm from Jerusalem. I I grew up here. Even though I'm from Cilicia and Tarsus there. I've been here. I've been under the feet of Gamaliel. We have things in common. And I want you to take a minute to think about how often Paul would do that. When Paul would start talking to people, he would start talking from the place of common ground. When he goes into Athens, talk about a seemingly place where you'd have no common ground. And he sees all of the idolatry. And you know what he says? He doesn't say, man, you guys are just nuts. What a bunch of crazy people worshiping all of these gods. You know what he says? I see you're religious. Hey, I'm religious too. You're religious. I'm religious. Let's talk about that. And that's what he's doing right here. Before he launches into any kind of defense or any discussion about what he's doing or why he's doing it, he's just starting on common ground. You're Jews, I'm Jews you're Jerusalem, I'm Jerusalem. You're zealous for God, I'm zealous for God. You want to kill me? I wanted to kill Christians too. We're together in this to be able to try to find that common ground. Friends, for us to share the gospel is not some kind of non-personal, distant, kind of disconnected event. You know, like we're going to do hand grenades from Jesus from far away. You know, we just kind of tell them all about it and we'll just stand over here and we won't get to know them or figure out anything about their life or have any kind of common ground. We'll just kind of, you know, drop leaflets from the sky and hope they figure it out. You you see what Paul's doing is connecting. Uh, We have common ground. I understand why you're doing what you're doing. If it wasn't for God, I would be too. I'm with you. I understand. That's what Paul's doing right here. And that is so important to see how Paul is looking at how he's going to connect with others with that common ground. We have things in common. And friends, I believe that is so important in a time right now where we're trying to blow up any kind of commonality whatsoever to say to people, listen, I know where you're coming from. I get it. I know why you're thinking what you're thinking. I know why you're angry. I know why you have that idea. I would have that idea too. Or I used to have that idea. Or I have that in my past. Or you know That kind of connection I think is so valuable. Of what you see the Apostle Paul doing here. Is making that connection and saying we have a common ground. We have an understanding. And trying to do that. And friends it is so important for us to show that we care about people. And we have compassion for people. I care where you're coming from. You know, as Paul doesn't go, you know, this is a really ridiculous attitude you all have. I mean, clearly, people of God should not be trying to kill people. He doesn't do that. He goes, I get it. I understand. You're zealous for God. Hey, me too. And then he continues on even further as he goes on in verse 6. And from verse 6... Through verse 21, you have him explaining why he's doing what he's doing. And he talks about there how in verse 6, he was on his way to Damascus. And he was his whole purpose is to persecute. And on his way there, a light from heaven suddenly shines around him, falls to the ground, hears a voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I answered, who are you, Lord? He said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, the one you are persecuting me. Persecuting. And he goes on to explain all of this scene. Notice verse 12. And someone named Simon, please underscore what he notes. Someone named, uh, sorry, someone named Ananias, a devout man according to the law. See? So you see what he's doing? Hey, you're, you're concerned about the law. And you don't think I'm concerned about the law. I'm concerned about the law. Ananias is concerned about the law. He's a devout man who's concerned about the law. And he came to me. Verse 12, who had a good reputation with all the Jews living there. See how he's connecting. And he says in verse 13, he came to me and said, brother Saul, regain your sight. And in that very hour, I looked up and I saw. And he said, the God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. Since you will be a witness for me to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. So notice what he does. He says, let me tell you why my life changed. I was the one who persecuted just like you, zealous for the law, just like you, doing the very things you're wanting to do right now. Why am I not doing that anymore? And you see what he's getting at? Because God told me to. The reason I don't live that way anymore is because God told me not to. And the reason I think the way that I think is because that's what God says. That'd be worth a whole aside that I don't have time for. But that is a valuable answer to give to people. Why are you so different? Why do you disagree with culture? Why are you so against the stream? Because that's what God says. That's all Paul's doing right here. I was on my way to Damascus. I was going to keep on going with my way. Why would I stop? God told me to. God told me to. I have to stop. I have to do what God says. God told me that that he had risen from the dead and I was persecuting him. God told me that I was going to be the one appointed to know his will and to to testify to and be witness to him all over the ends of the earth. God told me to do this very thing. And that is what he is giving here in this picture. Now, don't end at verse 16. Because what he says next really colors what he's trying to do. Look at Verse 17. And I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple. And I fell into a trance and saw him telling me, hurry and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. Now listen to Paul's response to that verse 19. But I said, Lord, they know that in synagogue after synagogue, I had those who believed in you imprisoned and beaten. And when the blood of your witness, Stephen, was being shed, I stood there giving approval and guarding the clothes of those who killed him. I shouldn't notice the picture. Jesus comes to Paul and says, You need to leave Jerusalem. This is apparently the first time he went, which was years later. He comes to the temple. And he's in a trance and God says, you need to leave now. And notice Paul's response is, no, they'll listen to me. Because I was doing their will before. They know what I did. They know how I was persecuting the way. They know what I did to Stephen. They saw me in synagogue after synagogue. And Paul's argument is, well, they're surely going to listen to me. Look at what God says in verse 21. And he said to me, go. Because I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Parenthesis implied, no, they're not. And Paul brings us in at this moment right now because here is their opportunity to listen to Paul. Paul is telling God if you just let me speak to them, they'll listen. And that's what he's doing right now. He's telling them his story. Here's my story. I'm with you. I understand. God told me to go this other direction. And they're going to certainly listen to me, right? And God said back then, no, they're not. So notice verse 22. They listened to him up to this point. And then they raised their voices shouting, Wipe this man off the face of the earth. He should not be allowed to live. God was right. Paul tried, but God was right. The apostle Paul here exposes their heart of rejection, just as Stephen had done. In telling this story about the Lord and telling them about their history and explaining what he's accomplished. And he gets the exact same response that Stephen received. I want to stop there in our story and we'll come back to Acts in a future lesson. But I want to zero in on what we see the Apostle Paul doing right here. Because ultimately, I think this picture of how he is working to connect to these people, to teach them the gospel, to explain to them the importance of them listening to him and why he's living his life the way that he is, is exactly summarized in what he wrote to the the Corinthians in his first letter. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, Although I am free from all and not anyone's slave, I have made myself a slave to everyone in order to win more people. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, to win those under the law. To those who were without the law, like one without the law. Though I am not without God's law, but are the law of Christ to win those without the law to the weak. I became weak in order to win the weak. I have become all things to all people so that I may by every possible means save some. And that's what you see Paul doing. Is even though this mass of people want him dead. He says, let me try to connect to them on their level. Let me try to, to, to get through to them. Let me try to explain it to them. Roman commander, give me an opportunity. Because to the Jews, I'm going to become a Jew. To the Gentiles, I'm going to become a Gentile. To the strong, I'll be strong. To the weak, I'll be weak. To whomever I'm encountering, I am going to come to them on their level so that they have every opportunity to hear the gospel. This huge point that I want to make with you this evening is this, that connecting to other people means that we are called to come to them to understand where they are coming from and to try to connect to their lives and share the gospel. That is what you see Paul doing. And not only does Paul exemplify that throughout the book of Acts, he wrote to the Corinthians and told them that's what you're supposed to do become all things to all people so that we might save some that we must try to find those points of connection and friends this is probably no more important than ever in our culture and in our society right now we cannot look at other people and decide we are not going to try to connect with them Because we don't like their background, we don't like their points of view, we don't like their politics, we don't like whatever it is that stirs us up and gets us upset. We can't do that. We cannot look at other people and go, no, I am not going to try to give them the gospel because I don't like what they say. I don't like what they proclaim. I think about the Apostle Paul. And Apostle Paul would be like, you know what? I'm not talking to these people. You've got to be kidding me. They're trying to kill me. I'm, you know what? If I think my words would be, Lord, get them, right? And Paul goes, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to try to save them. I am going to try to reach them. We need to try to bridge the gap to make peace with others. That we are going to try to clear up misunderstandings about the gospel. We're going to try to show them who Jesus is. We're going to try to make it clear to them what the gospel is all about. And the apostle Paul is trying to do that in every way possible. He first comes to Jerusalem. The Jewish Christians are misunderstanding. He goes, all right, I'll pay, pay a vow for those four men. I'll even do the purification vow myself to show them that I am connecting with them, that we're on the same page. And then when the angry mob rises up, he says, don't take me in there yet. I need to talk to my people. Let me connect with them. I understand where you're coming from so I can share with you the gospel. Here's the thing that I hope that we would consider. The the gospel has the power to connect to all people regardless of culture, background, political party, ethnicity, ethnicity, geography upbringing or any other thing that has an ability to divide us the gospel has the power to connect to those people and we must be willing to become all things to all people to save some or let me put it another way you cannot demonize people if you're going to try to share the gospel with them You cannot. You cannot put them in some box, stick a label on them, stick them to the corner and say, well, they're irrelevant and I don't care. That's not what the Apostle Paul did. And that's not what our Lord taught us to do. We cannot demonize people on the other side of whatever side you're on about whatever it is and think that we can share the gospel with them. How are we going to share the gospel with them if that's what we do? If that's how we treat them, if that's how we talk to them, if that's how we approach them. What we need to do is try to correct misunderstandings and connect with them in such a way so that they can hear the gospel without any other obstacles. We note this all the time in the New Testament. God is always telling us the gospel itself is a big enough obstacle to people. We don't need to put more obstacles in the way. We need to be removing every obstacle so that the only tripping mechanism is on Jesus himself and not on anything else. Paul got that. Paul's trying to do that right here and say, listen, you need to understand it's about Jesus, it's about the gospel. Here's why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so we must go about doing that as well, is that we will do that very action. Will we try to connect to others so that we can try to save some? How will we go about becoming all things to all people so that we can do that? And I would like for you this week to just kind of let that rattle in your head for a, a while. What am I going to do in my day so that I can become all things to all people? What's that going to look like in how I talk to people? What's that going to look like when I'm on the job? What's that going to look like in my emails? What's that going to look like on my social media? What's that going to look like to my neighbors? What is it going to look like to become all things to all people so that I might save some? We have to be the ones to do that. And I want to end then with the reading, but just one sentence of the reading from 1 Corinthians 9 verse 19. And I want to underscore this, even though we're free and we belong to no one, we'll make ourselves slaves to everyone to win as many as possible. I don't care how free we are. We will subjugate that by all means possible to try to connect to others and reach them with the gospel. That's what you see the Apostle Paul doing. And that's what you see him telling us to do. Let's go to God in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for this beautiful picture of your servant Paul and the amazing heart that he had for souls. His desire to clear up misunderstandings, his desire to be clear with the gospel, his desire to clear out any obstacle to try to make clear your son. And Lord, we pray that we would do the same. Lord, help us to remove the obstacles that can cause divisions among people today. Help us to just be clear with the gospel. Lord, help us to look at other people and to not demonize them, but to see souls. And Lord, we pray that you would help us lay down our rights, lay down our privileges, lay down our ways so that we would do whatever it takes to save souls. Lord, I pray that you would give us the spiritual desire for it. And Lord, I pray that you would give us the wisdom, the wisdom in how to connect to others, the wisdom to try to show that we are all in the same boat, that we are all lost children of yours in need of rescue from your son. Lord, help us to connect in that way to others. Lord, help us to show them the light. And help us to humbly do it in such a way so that you would be glorified in how we approach others and how we talk to others and how we live our lives in the world around us. Lord, help us to live our lives in such a light so that people will glorify you. And in doing so, come to hear your word and be saved. In Jesus' name, amen. Sing an invitation song. We invite you to come to Jesus tonight and to see the glory of what he is offering, to turn away from sin and to enjoy a wonderful relationship with him. If we can help you this night to do that in any way.